Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You're my servant. Certainly you're in the ministry and it doesn't go unnoticed. It doesn't go unappreciated. But you know what I want more than anything else from you? You. I just want you. I just want to spend time with you because I love you so much. And isn't it true that when we spend time with the Lord, it has a profound impact on our time spent with others? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Colossians. When you spend time with people, it's those people whom you begin to take after. Pastor J.D. talks today about how important it is to spend time with Christ. Not only because He wants to be close to you, but because it'll change your life. When you spend time with God daily, you'll notice how all relationships in your life change. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Colossians chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. It's not what we do for God, it's what God has already done for us. He became a man, and He died for us instead of us, so it is finished, period. Not comma, not semicolon, No, it is finished. Now, this was the problem for the Colossian church. There were those that were teaching that there were other things you had to do. Now, in this case, it was circumcision. And the reason why is because the Colossian church was made up mostly of Gentiles, uncircumcised. So here's these false teachers kind of getting their tentacles into this church there in Colossae, and they're saying to them that they're required to be circumcised, that there's something that they still need to do. And this is what Paul is addressing. This is why he says what he says in verses 13 and 14, that in the uncircumcision of their flesh, God made them alive with Christ, having canceled the charge of their legal indebtedness. I like that. That kind of settles it, doesn't it? Now, lest we be too hard on the Colossians for believing that maybe there was something that they needed to do, that they were required to do, I think we do well to consider our own propensity when it comes to this, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Innate within our sin nature and pride, we continue to strive for that which we already have in the person of Jesus Christ. And it is a pride thing. And this is what was happening there in Colossae. It was kind of like this, oh, you're a Gentile. You're a believer, but you're a Gentile. Well, have you been circumcised? I have. In other words, the implication being that I'm superior, you're inferior. 
because I've done this, you haven't. Here's the truth. I don't need to perform any ritual or any ceremony because Jesus fulfilled them all, and now they're symbols. And I'll explain that as well. Actually, one commentator explained it best this way. Every ceremony is completed, and every requirement is depleted. Now, I realize that the issue for us today as a church has nothing to do with circumcision. I mean, it's kind of uncomfortable even just talking about it, right? But water baptism is an issue. There are those today that are teaching falsely a false doctrine known as baptismal regeneration, meaning that you have to be baptized to be saved. That's false. I don't know how else to say it. Maybe I can say it this way. If anyone comes to you and says that you have to do anything in addition to what Jesus already did, they're false. It's a false teaching. I don't have to be water baptized to be saved. I don't have to be circumcised to be saved. These are symbols now. Circumcision is a symbol of the cutting away of the flesh. And water baptism is a symbol of being resurrected in Christ. For those of you that are going to be baptized, I'm going to take you and I'm going to lay you back down in the water, and I'm going to keep you underwater. (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) Okay, and then I'm going to bring you up out of that water. Why? Because you are identifying symbolically with the death and burial in the water, and when you come out, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what water baptism is. The same thing with communion. When we celebrate communion, it is a symbol of what Jesus already did for us. It's done. It's finished. Jesus did it all, taking it away, nailing it to the cross, and now the indebtedness against us the charges against us are completed, been paid for. No longer is there a requirement. They're symbols. In other words, communion and water baptism are not necessary for salvation. They are symbols of salvation. Here's the best illustration I ever heard. It's that of a wedding ring. Here's my wedding ring. It's a symbol that I've been married, that I married, right? So too is baptism a symbol that I've been saved. This doesn't make me married. It's a symbol that I am married. So too with these expressions of our identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here's where I'm going with this, and I 
spent some time this last week, actually on Thursday night at our Bible study, I made mention of this, and it's something that for many years I never really quite understood. You know how it is sometimes when you're in the Word and you're spending time with the Lord, and the Lord just opens your eyes to something that you had never seen before, and the light goes on, and it's like, wow, that makes sense. Well, I had one of those experiences this last week, and that's what I want to spend the rest of our time talking about today. My relationship with the Lord is not determined by what I do for the Lord. But here's the thing, the opposite can also be true. What I do for the Lord can actually hinder my relationship with the Lord. So here was the question that I've had for many years, and please know I'm not speaking about this church. This is an amazing church. But the church that I planted and pastored on the mainland was riddled with conflict and striving, and disagreements, and arguments. And it, it was so hard for me to understand why it is. And then even within the staff, my staff, and my board, and my elders, and my deacons, and really all of the above, there was always this striving. And here I am, I'm a, I'm a young pastor. I'm not young, but I was Well, at one time I was young, but that's (laughs) enough of my problems. I mean, I'm new to the ministry, and all I knew was the business world, the corporate world, the secular arena. And one of the things that I could not understand was why Christians treat each other this way, especially within the context of a church environment. I mean, even in the world it's not as bad as that. Why is that? I could never really understand that. And the Lord directed me to a book that I have in my library that I'm rereading again. It's the follow-up to that classic, The Calvary Road by Roy Hessian. This book is We Would See Jesus, and it's by both Roy and his wife Revel. And if you'll just indulge me, I want to quote this and then expound on this. To concentrate on service and activity for God may often actively thwart our attaining of the true goal, God Himself. At first sight, it seems heroic to fling our lives away in the service of God and of our fellows. We feel it is bound to mean more to Him than our experience of Him. Service seems so unselfish, whereas concentrating on our walk with God seems selfish and self-centered. But it's the reverse that's true. Christian service of itself can, and so often does, leave our self centered nature untouched. That is why there is scarcely a church, a mission station, or a committee undertaking a special piece of service 
that is without an unresolved problem of personal relationships eating out its heart and thwarting its progress. Here's where the light went off for me. Our relationship with the Lord is sacrificed on the altar of our service to the Lord. Let me say the same thing in a different way. I have no business serving the Lord if it comes at the expense of my time with the Lord. I'm sorry that I have to use this word that the world hijacked, and I shouldn't use the word hijacked either when I say it, but the success, the secret to success in ministry, in our service to the Lord, certainly as a church, the secret to success is not in what we do, it's in our relationship with Him. I don't want people on my staff whose relationship with the Lord is going to suffer because of their service to the Lord. Let me back up a couple of steps and say it this way, and I'll speak for myself. I have no business being the pastor of this church unless I first have this intimacy with the Lord. I have no right to stand up here behind this pulpit, as is my privilege to do, and teach and preach unless I've had that time with the Lord first. It is the most important. It is of paramount importance. Here's the thing. When that's lacking, and it's lacking, there's like this overcompensating for that which we don't have in our relationship with the Lord, and it's masked by our service to the Lord. See, our service to the Lord, it kind of feeds our ego. It feeds our pride. And conversely, when I <laughs> spend time with Jesus, whew, I'm humbled before Him. Until I've drunk deeply from that cup, until I've had that time of intimacy with Him, I cannot stand and represent Him. That would be to misrepresent Him. I want to close with a true story that I think says it all. It comes from Harry Ironside, now with the Lord, and he shares about knowing a man who had suffered the death of his wife, leaving him alone with their only daughter, who was the joy of his life. This was long ago, and well before the time of television, when families actually sat together and talked together. As the story goes, it was during the winter, with Christmas fast approaching, as the autumn season had quickly passed by, giving way to the busyness of the holiday. On one particular evening, the daughter politely excused herself after dinner, leaving her father only to disappear to her room for the night. This repeated itself night after night until Christmas morning when she came running down the stairs with a nicely wrapped present to give to her father. He opens the gift and finds inside a pair of hand-knitted slippers that his beloved daughter had spent all those nights making for him. 
The father graciously thanked her for the slippers, but then kindly speaks to her, saying how he would have much rather had her with him all those lonely evenings than even 10,000 of those slippers. Suffice it to say, you know what the Lord wants? Us. Time with us. Last week I sensed that the Lord was saying to me, you know, you're my servant. Certainly you're in the ministry and it doesn't go unnoticed. It doesn't go unappreciated. But you know what I want more than anything else from you? You. I just want you. I just want to spend time with you because I love you so much. And isn't it true that when we spend time with the Lord, it has a profound impact on our time spent with others? I mean, when you have that intimacy with the Lord, that time with the Lord, and isn't it true that the one whom you spend the most time with is the one whom you become the most like? That probably was not very good sentence structure. You'll forgive my English, so maybe I need to say the same thing a different way. We start acting like the people we're around the most, right? You see where I'm going with this? The more I'm with Jesus, the more I become like Jesus. And isn't that the point? Isn't that God's purpose? To conform us into the image of Jesus Christ? To make us more like Jesus? How's that going to happen if we don't spend time with Him? My wife and I spent a lot of time together. She would probably argue that we spent too much time together. But it's so interesting how much alike we are after 31 years of marriage. I mean, it's, it's kind of creepy, actually. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, we finish each other's sentences. Sometimes we don't even have to talk. It's just kind of... <laughs> okay. What do you don't even have to use our words. <laughs> We know each other so well, so intimately. And when that happens, I I have a correct assessment of who I am in Christ. I don't need anything else. I don't need to be on that committee or serve in that capacity or be on that board. I don't have to be in the spotlight. This might come as some shock to you. I do not like the spotlight. I really don't. I mean, some of you are looking at me like, okay, you better stop preaching when the sermon's over. I'm almost done. Just a minute. I'm actually kind of an introverted person. Now, there was a time in my life when I really wanted that. And over the years, God has really done a work in me. And knowing that God cannot do a work through me until He first does that work in me. What is that work? To conform me into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. To make me more like Christ. More Christ-like. What's Christ-like? He's humble. 
He's loving. He's kind. He's gentle. Are those not the fruit of the Holy Spirit? In us, indwelling us? God the Holy Spirit indwelling us? Conforming us from the inside out, doing that work in us to make us more like Jesus? Let me say lastly, and this will be my final closing, so you can relax. Maybe today it would be a good day to just turn the volume of your life down, actually turn it off, just shut everything off. See if just even five minutes, shoot for more if you can, maybe 10, maybe 15 minutes. I mean, just you and Him. Just you and Him. And let Him search your heart. Not to condemn you. Maybe convict. And see if there be anything at all that has come in between you and Him. I would submit, and I think I find myself talking about this almost on a weekly basis, that the enemy is all about getting us away from the Lord once we come to the Lord. Prior to coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, Satan will do everything he can to keep us from coming to Christ. But then when we come to Christ, he will shift his strategy, regroup, and now he will do everything he can to pull us away from the Lord. And sometimes he'll use noble acts of service to do it. One of the things that I have to guard in my own life is busyness. Oh, I can couch it in terms of, hey, I'm serving the Lord. I'm busy about the things of God. And I just picture the Lord looking at me and going, I don't want you to be busy doing things for me. I just want to have time with you and you with me. Because see, if you have that time with me, then all of these other things will fall into place. We live busy lives here in Hawaii, don't we? I know some of you work two and three jobs just to make ends meet. And it's hard. But be careful when busyness comes in the way and pulls you away from that which you need the most, Him and Him alone. The book of Colossians takes you deeper into the theology and doctrine of Christianity as the Apostle Paul emphasizes the deity of Jesus. As you learn about Jesus as the perfect man who walked the earth, you also need to embrace the fact that He is God. He has the right to be the judge, to tell the world of its sins and failures. Yet Jesus instead went to the cross to die for that sin, your sins. He poured love and grace out to a hurting world, giving all the opportunity at new life through his death. We're so glad you joined Pastor J.D. today to study the book of Colossians. We pray it's been an incredible encounter with Jesus. Today, you may be feeling called to tell someone else about Jesus and how he can change their lives. That can be intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. 
There are simple ways to share your faith, and you can find an excellent resource on our website, InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Pastor J.D. has simplified the gospel into the ABCs of salvation. These are the basics that everyone needs to know. Just click the link on our website and you'll see how easy it can be. Know that we're praying for you too as you answer Jesus' call to share the gospel. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join us for our worship services. Bring your friends and family along too. It's a great time of fellowship and learning about God. Find out more about Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for being part of our time here today. We hope you'll tune in again for another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Ooh, ooh, ooh.